गुरुर् ब्रह्मा गुरुर्विष्णुर् गुरुर्देव महेश्वरा गुरु शक्षात पारब्रह्मा तस्मै श्री गुरुदेव नमः I bow to God I bow to my guru as all the manifestations of God including each one of you I bow to him in you Life is such a wonderful experience but when you meet the guru it's a sort of a fulfillment of so many things there's this just this little sweet story in conversations with yogananda a story that he told us there was a little girl living with her mother here at mount washington she decided to make me a little surprise one day before she could spring her surprise on me i thanked her for it you peeked she cried miserably i didn't peek i said to her lovingly god told me about it i wanted you too to know that he'd done so and that way i could thank you and him in you and so it was that the play with the guru is really a play with god himself you must understand that that's what the spiritual path is all about that god is playing with god god is in everything your real relationship as it says in the indian scriptures that the wife should love the husband and worship him as a manifestation of god the husband should worship god through the form of the wife as the divine mother god is in all things and the thing is that when you think that way then suddenly all things come alive you know many years ago i was just 21 i was living in charleston south carolina i wanted to be a playwright this was my desire in fact i've been pleased to see that a group of people here in india want to produce a play of mine in bollywood as they call it as you call it uh, it sounds funny to us cuz we're used to the word hollywood but i'm told bollywood is a lot larger than hollywood and uh, anyway they want to produce this play of mine i'd love to see it done this was an ambition of mine until i realized one day that i wanted to give people truth and i didn't know the truth what was the use of flooding the world with my ignorance and i used to wonder what is truth well truth has to be something higher than i am it can't be just how many miles it is from here to the sun and facts that science gives us that's not truth truth should be something that changes me therefore truth should be something that inspires me truth should give me joy truth should give me a perfection of those things that i really want because why does anybody want truth because he wants to find wisdom understanding i didn't understand i knew a lot of facts that didn't help me to understand didn't help me to understand why a blade of grass grows it didn't help me to understand the suffering that makes people do things that they do if they don't do it because they're necessarily at fault it's sort of trying to compensate for their own pain i didn't understand people and worst of all i didn't understand myself and i remember one evening as i say i was living in charleston in south carolina i took a walk into the night and i was thinking what what is god He can't be just a like a policeman up there on a cloud waiting for us to make a mistake so he can say ha ah, you belong in hell 
That kind of image of God is just disgusting. And I thought, well, what can he be? He must, if he is God, he must be omnipresence. If he's omnipresent, he can't just be in the bushes and trees that I'm passing. He has to be in me. And I find that when I'm thinking more uplifted thoughts, I'm happier. And when my thoughts are not so uplifted, and when they're somewhat uh, worldly, I'm not happy. And so my duty in life, if I want to find truth, is to find how I can attune this little self with that infinite one. It seemed to me that we are all manifestations of that one consciousness, but some show more of it and some show very little of it. I would rather show more of it. And I was thinking, what can I do? I hadn't used the word God much until then. I was thinking truth. I was thinking truth in terms of science and art and poetry and music and all things that were not yet that, inspiring, uplifting. I wanted inspiration. I wanted to be uplifted, but I found that the most beautiful music had become tiresome after a while. The most beautiful painting is not something you can stare at forever. Nothing in this world really satisfies for long. And so... I thought, how can I? This is the goal of life. How can I be more in tune? I didn't use the word in tune, but I certainly had that concept. I may have even used that word. But I came back from that walk just staggered with the grandeur of this concept because it was true not just for me. That meant it had to be true for everybody. That meant that everyone had to be looking for that and just didn't know it. I walked into a, the apartment where I lived, and I, li I roomed with four young men, and they were all sitting around the table in the kitchen laughing and joking. I just couldn't relate to that. And they mocked at me. And I just had to go to my room and think about these deep, deep things. I thought, if this is true, then I have to give my life to that. And that was when my search for God began consciously. I've been seeking him all my life. We've all been seeking him all our lives. The problem is we don't know it. But from this moment on, I knew it. And I remember I went to my uh, parents' house. My father had been <coughs> posted to Egypt. And uh, I found my, a Bible in my mother's um, library. And I'd never read the Bible. Yes, I'd gone to her to church, but I couldn't stand the kind of sermons the, church, the priest would give. I Finally, I told my mother, I'm not going to church anymore. I just can't. And she wept very sadly because when she had carried me as in her womb, she had kept praying, this first child I give to God. And here she thought I was finally giving up God. And she was so sad. I couldn't change it for her. I had to be sincere. Then she came to me a few days later, and she said she had read somewhere in some book she was reading that often a, to turn away from God is the first step toward him. And she felt so relieved, and I was relieved for her because I knew that was the truth. I was seeking God. I wasn't seeking churchianity. And in that Bible, I tried to read it for the first time. I'd had it spouted at me in church. I knew many of the sayings from it. But... This 
the whole thing, it was so symbolical maybe, I just couldn't quite tune into it. So-and-so lived to be 900 years old, and he begat so-and-so and lived to be so-and-so. I just, I, I thought maybe it's all very true and wonderful, but I'm not getting anything out of it. And then I saw a book that my mother had. Um, it was called The Short World Bible, and it was excerpts from different religions. And I enjoyed the different ones, but when I came to the expert excerpts of Hinduism, I recognized it. It was my own. And when I read that God is infinite, not just a person, I thought, oh, that's all he can be. And many Christians imagine God as that angry old man on the, behind the altar in the Sistine Chapel in Rome, condemning the damned to eternity in hell. What kind of a father would do that to his, even his erring son? I just couldn't tune into that. And then it said that if you want to know me, you have to experience me. It's not enough to believe. Well, that, I thought, is for me. I, was, I believed in science. And I believed in experiment. I knew, for example, that people had thought the world was flat, but it isn't. Experience showed that it's round. Believing a thing doesn't make it so. You have to go out and experiment and try it and test it. Well, this teaching, I felt, was honorable. This was what I could subscribe to. And there was a beautiful story of Ramakrishna's where he spoke about a uh, woman who said to her husband, dear, I'm worried about my brother. He's thinking of giving up the world. And the husband said, what is he doing to prepare for this? And she said, well, one by one, he's giving things up and trying to simplify his life. And the husband said, he'll never find God that way. He'll never renounce the world that way. And the wife said, well, what do you mean? How should a person seek God? How should a person renounce the world? And the husband said like this. He took off everything except his copine, bowed to his wife. He said, from now on, I look upon you and all women as you are my mother. Walked out the door and never came back. Well, I guess she was sorry she asked that question. But the thing is, this was just what I was ready for. I just, I didn't want to do this. People were telling me, well, don't be a fanatic. Just go to church every Sunday. Boring church. And listen to these sermons. Boring sermons. <laughs> I just, I wanted something real, something that gave me an experience. I wanted something that inspired me, something that gave me love and that gave me joy. And uh, that was when I found my guru's book. I was a fruit ready to fall from the tree. That's why the change was so complete, because it had been sort of festering all this time, gradually coming to maturity. I grant you festering is not the right word, but I like to use silly words sometimes just to emphasize a point. You know what I mean. And this was what I discovered when I met my guru, that God is so human. And the beautiful thing is that there was one human being in this world who really could understand me. While I was there, before my, I sent my mother the very day, I've told you this before if you've been watching these programs, the very day I put her on the ship to join my father in Cairo, Egypt, was the day I came upon Autobiography of a Yogi. An aunt had been visiting us from Oklahoma not very, very long before. And she said about me, my name before Sanyas was Donald Walters. And 
He said, I bet you Dawn entered the seminary, and my mother said, oh, not Dawn. She didn't know me. She loved me. She loved me very deeply. But she didn't know me. I hid that part of myself from my own mother. It was too precious to me, too dear. But when I met my guru, I found somebody who knew every little quiver in my thoughts. And many times he would answer something that I had been praying. Sometimes, for example, in meditation, because I was very eager to get ahead and meditate. And he said to me one time, don't get too excited or restless in meditation, too impatient. He said, go with slow speed. But he knew that was what I was, how I was meditating. I, I prayed to him at one time, help me to love you as you love me. And he looked at me a few days later, and when I saw him again, he said, how can the whole cup, how can the little cup hold the whole ocean? You see, he is the ocean. You can't expect to love God with your little human heart, but what you can do is open your heart to him. Don't think that you have to create love. You have to open your heart to him so that he can pour his love into you. And what you find is that the more you do that, the larger your cup grows. And as that cup grows, you begin to find yourself loving that one self in everybody so that you pass a complete stranger in the street and you think, this is my brother, this is my sister. It's a very nice feeling. Because then you find that you're at home everywhere. And whether you're an Indian or an American, doesn't matter. Wherever you are, you see your own self. That's what Master was doing with that little girl. That's what he did with all of us. He answered our thoughts so that sometimes people would express great devotion to him and so on. He didn't pay any attention. I was... I've also mentioned that beautiful woman, St. Anandamuni Ma. I remember this woman coming to her and just plying all sorts of gifts at her feet. Anandamuni Ma just looked like this. She didn't pay any attention because she knew the woman's heart wasn't there. It was just a big show. But when you loved her, she felt it. And that love is what God is giving you. Don't think that Arati and Puja and Yagya and all those things Mind you, I don't want to put those things down. They're wonderful. But they're wonderful because they're symbols of something you must do inside yourself. Why yagna? Because you want to throw all your impurities at the feet of God. You want to say, I don't want anything to do with anything egoic. I don't want to think in terms of I and mine. That isn't who I am. So you burn all these things in the fire. I, I find great inspiration doing an inner yagya where I just make a bonfire and any thought that I've had, I don't really feel I have such thoughts now, but I used to throw them like uh, bits of wood into that fire and feel that I was burning up all my karma and uh, what a feeling of freedom. Do that every night before you go to bed. Just build a bonfire, build a fire there a little havankund in your own mind, and then feel that you're throwing all the desires, all the wrong thoughts you've had, everything, just offer it to God. And why do you do puja? Because you're offering to God your five senses. 
how much better to do this in yourself, quite symbolically only. Do these outward ceremonies of arati and so on because they're beautiful symbols to remind you of a beauty that is always yours. You can be doing puja and uh, yagya and arati and everything in your own heart all day long, and that's what you should be doing. So that even if you're walking in the marketplace, even if you're dealing, never bargain to try to pull the other person down. Always try to bargain in such a way that you both get the best deal. Don't try to get the better of somebody. Try to feel that this is my friend and we're working together to reach the fairest conclusion and compromise between us that is best for all of us. Have this thought that God is in all. Why, how can we love? Because he is love. How can we rejoice? Because he is joy. No human emotion of beautiful sort is possible except because he is that. And bad emotions are just distortions of that same thing. He is you. He is your consciousness. He is your religion. Joy to you. What is love? Is it only us? Or does love whisper in the flowers? Surely we children of this world could not love by our own powers. What is joy? Is it just a dream? Or does joy last? Every stream Are the clouds mindless after all? Or is joy nature's theme? God is dead, so men say. Can't they see all life's his play? Not a church binds him as its own. Not a creed makes him fully known. Foolish we, if we limit him. Every atom is his throne. Love is it only us, or does love whisper in the flowers? Surely we, children of this world, could not love our own powers. What is love? Is it love we touch in the flower?